This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I am Lisa Wysocki. Today, I am in Nashville, Tennessee, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 20th, 2022, episode 2977. This episode is brought to you by Stateline Tech. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Welcome back, Lisa Wysocki, Coach Jen and Lisa Wysocki. It's all girls day today. Yay! Yay! Coming up on today's show, Steve Krause is going to stop by for the Daily Dose Equine Horse Health segment. And he's going to talk about something called Retracted Soul. Sounds terrifying. And one of our regular one of our regular guests here on Horses in the Morning, Jill Stanford, cowgirl in the kitchen, is going to share her recipe for barbecue sauce. Because who doesn't want to have a barbecue in the middle of summer? Woohoo! Happy birthday! Auditor birthdays coming up this time. Leah Jenna Lee, L E I G H. I'm going to guess that's Lee. Summer Flynn, who has one of the most amazing names ever. Nicole Hatfield and Victoria Volinsky. Another great Victoria Volinsky sounds like a heroine in a Marvel comic book. Yeah, either that or or some evil person on on a Daily Soap. <gasps> You're right. Either yeah. or. Which which yeah. are you, Victoria? Hop onto the uh, HRN Auditor's Facebook page and tell us which you are. Are you a Marvel heroine or a soap opera villainess? <laughs> <laughs> or both. Or both. Ooh, I like it. This is the author speaking. You could have a character who is both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now it's your turn. So, Jen, my Daily Winnie is a little bit of a short story. So, I uh, was in Minnesota helping my mom out earlier this month, and every evening I would go down to the lake because the, the house is right there on Lake Minnetonka, and we have a dock. And so, I'd be sitting there uh, down on the lake with my dog, Abby. Now, Abby is 16 years old. She's a Jack Russell Chihuahua mix, and she doesn't see or hear very well anymore, but she loves going down to the lake because she'll get her like, like her little toes at the edge of the dock, and she looks at the wave ripples, and then she like wags her tail and starts to spin around, and I have to watch her so she doesn't like fall in. <laughs> it's like the best thing ever. She just loves going down there. Anyway, so there are, you know, boats out on the lake, and so this boat started coming by every day, Bob and Connie. So Bob and Connie are retired and they live there on the lake and they have this old wood-sided boat and they just kind of cruise around really slowly. Well, they started coming every evening to talk to Abby, which Abby thought was like amazing. She she could, I guess, see or hear that there was a boat there. But so then, then they started bringing her treats. 
And then one of the last days I was there, we were a little bit late coming down. And I thought, oh, you know, we missed Bob and Connie. But no, there they are about 50 feet out in front of the the dock waiting to come talk to my dog. So... (laughs) So this is the highlight of their day. So I, my my daily when he goes to Bob and Connie, who are so kind to an old, blind, and deaf dog, and they just totally made her day. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! She has her she has her very very own water delivery treat system. I know, I know exactly. And so, I mean, but who does that? Who I mean, who sits out there in the middle of the lake on their boat waiting for a dog to come down? You know, I mean, oh it was gosh. so sweet. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> yes, oh, yes, wow. that's fun. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm going to now do a bonus Daily Ooh. Winnie. Oh. And my bonus Daily Winnie goes to uh, a pair. It goes to Equiderma and the Gods of Horses Sweating. Ooh. Yes. The Gods of Horse Sweat. Yesterday when I went out to the barn, I had to get more hay. So I drove out to the barn and delivered my truckload of hay, and I looked out into the paddock. It was about 11 a.m. in the morning, and Nigel was in his usual spot under his little his little shed-like thing. It's just, right. it's just a roof. There's no sides. Yeah. And that's where he goes for his after-breakfast snooze. He does a siesta every morning. After he okay. finishes his breakfast and his little pile of hay, he goes over there for a snooze. And there he was, standing in his usual spot in his shed, and the front third of his body was completely sweaty. Oh, my goodness. And I did a little happy dance on the inside because he's not been sweating appropriately sweating. for the past two years. Right. And in little dribs and drabs, he's been starting to sweat a little bit more uh, since about mid-June when I Good. started bathing him every few days with uh, Equiderma skin lotion. I just, really? I would just put about a cup of it into a gallon or so of tepid water. And yeah. And just rinses the front half of his body with it. And he's starting to sweat because of that. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's because of that or despite of that, but be previous to this, the non-sweating was getting ever so gradually worse. You know, because it yeah. typically does. Yeah, it does. And yeah. I noticed if I did this every few days, there would be a little bit of sweat on Nigel. But if I stopped doing it for a week, there would be less sweat. So I've wow, been, I've been doing it, and I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Don't know if it's completely circumstantial. Well, so so at Colby's Army, so our, kind of our mantra is uh, the horse has a cut. Well, equiderma. So the so the, <laughs> the horse is not sweating. So equiderma. So so the horse has hair wrapped around his tail. Equiderma. <laughs> <laughs> It's just our go-to for everything. Well, I had a I had a case of it sitting around, and I thought, well, I got nothing to lose. It's good for their skin. And horses who are anhydrotic, I don't know if that's the right yeah. word, they tend to get very dry, flaky skin mm-hmm. because there's no moisture being produced and pushed out from the inside. So, right. well, it's, at least it's going to help his skin not dry out and get sunburnt and crunchy and even worse. So right. I have nothing to lose. And by the way, this is not a paid-for advertisement for Equiderma. This is just something I've experienced. I think it's awesome. And uh, there you go. So a uh, shout-out to Equiderma and the gods of horse sweat. <laughs> there we go. And uh, that's that's what's going on there. So I always like to catch up 
whenever we have you on, Lisa, because we don't have you on all that often. You jump in when Jamie's out there creating crazy adventures. Oh, I know. Yeah. And she's having a blast. And she's having like. a blast. She's been posting pictures over on the auditor page. Yeah. And there's always lots of interesting, fun things going on where you live. And you live at Colby's Army. So for folks yeah. who aren't familiar with Colby's Army, uh, paint us a picture of the setting, Colby's Army. So so we have 54 acres in Ashland City, Tennessee, which is uh, 20 or so miles northwest of Nashville. And we're kind of in a little hollow, a little valley. We've got 1,200 feet of Blue Spring Creek, which is a year-round creek. We've got a little waterfall. We've got a mile of hiking trails. We have a therapeutic riding center. Um, and then we have a, a food pantry and a distribution center for people uh, who live in homelessness where we deliver supplies. And we have a really unique barn that was built in 1974 by Lee Greenwood, the country music star who, you know, wrote and sang God Bless the USA. And so it's just this amazing, beautiful, beautiful property. And so there's always something going on at Colby's Army, always. And we got to visit Colby's Army when we did our road trip last year, the great HRN road trip that lasted five weeks. Yes, and you not only visited, you got to hang out and stay there for a couple of days. I got to stay there for a couple of days. We we parked our little camper out there, and Colby's Army, the property, has a vibe. It does. It does have a vibe. There's something about it that when you pull in there and you turn your phone off, it, there, there's something zen about that place. I just yeah. thought to myself, envisioning the little waterfall you have back there, mm-hmm. if this was an alternate universe, because <laughs> we just Sometimes watched Doctor is. Strange's alternate universe movie. <laughs> if, the, if this was an alternate universe, Colby's Army, the place, would be one of those zen places that had lots and lots of tiny houses dotted yeah. around it and people walking around in tie-dyed clothing. Yeah, tunics and the whole thing. <laughs> Maybe a yurt. <laughs> but you know, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, Colby's Army was a Native American camping grounds for uh, the Cherokee. I and, didn't know that. That might yeah. be why it has the vibe. I know. So, so they looked for a north-facing bluff, a bend in the creek, and a flat area, and that's exactly what we have. And people have found a lot of uh, arrowheads and things down by the creek, and and um, you know, so it does have a really unique vibe. When we first went out to look at it before we moved in and before we purchased it, we kind of felt that too. It was like, wow, this is just a really super peaceful place. And and there is something about it. I don't know what yeah. it is, but it's 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 really amazing. And it's wonderfully it's still very wonderfully wild. You have not over you haven't domesticated it too much. No, no, the you know, if we're not actively using the land, we kind of use the National Park Services method of land management, which is basically just to let it be. So, you know, we've got the big cleared area for the pastures and the barn and the parking areas. and But then we've got the hiking trails and, you know, all of that. So, um, and, and we're hoping to do more of that. It's just, you know, it's just time and funding, you yeah. know. We did, uh, the, we did the little hiking trail, which is at the top yes. of the hill. Because yes. you, you are on a little bit of a valley. On one, The property starts on one side, at kind of halfway up a hill yeah. and a hill in Tennessee is not the same as a hill in some other places. No, it's pretty steep. <laughs> it's very steep. It's more like a cliff. It's sort of like a cliff. <laughs> and up in there, it's still very wooded and had this, has this lovely relaxing trail through it, which yeah. is a little bit, you could drive a golf cart through it. It's about oh, that yeah. size. Oh yeah. And then you have an open meadow. Yep. And then it comes down to a little bit of a flat spot where the barn is and where mm-hmm. we parked our RV to, to hang out. And then it goes down into the lower area where you have a big old pasture, and then off to one side is the 
I'm going to call it the floodplain yes. for your creek. Yes. So you have a yeah. lot of different. Different uh, areas. Yeah. yeah. A lot of different. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, we, we have different terrain and different views. So you yeah. can turn around and it's a completely different view. So you mentioned the golf cart. I was up there the other day with the golf cart. And, you know, we just, we, we had this fundraiser um, last February where we had Vince Gill and Amy Grant and Rodney Crowell and Amy Lou Harris. And we raised $47,000 wow. for this concert. It was amazing. I know it was just magical night and so we put an addition onto the barn and anybody who's been doing some building these days with supply chain issues and everything else you know yeah. uh, so so we we were able to get you know the the basic part of it up but then we couldn't get shingles because really yeah who who knew so you so kind of need those you kind of need those and and so the the company that we bought the shingles from we had a storm come through and it took the roof off the barn a couple of years ago so we have relatively new shingles on the barn but so the company that makes those shingles is no longer making the color of shingle to match the other part of the barn of course no so so i you know i'm up there you know um in the golf cart looking at at the at the new addition, which you're not going to see the roof line unless you're up there on the trail in the golf cart. And, and we finally, it took us six weeks, but we got shingles from another company that are close to the existing shingles, but not quite. And so I'm up there having a meltdown because the shingles <laughs> that you can only see up at the top of the hill in the golf cart don't exactly match. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we could cut and paste that that part of the conversation into the post-show, folks. Pet peeve, within the shingles on part A and part B of the barn don't match. Don't match. <laughs> <laughs> And then the roofer said, well, because the existing shingles had been on the roof for about three years, two years, that that they're not going to match anyway because they weather a little bit. That's so true. even if we did get the matching shingles, they're not going to match. So I'm like, okay, I just have to like see that. See, that should, that. Sh that should soothe <laughs> you a little bit, knowing that even if they were exactly the same, they're not quite going to match. But but then I'm like, okay, we should have looked harder to find shingles that would match the weathered shingles. Oh, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't, Lisa. You should not have looked that hard. See, this is why this is why I have nothing else done. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. But that's really awesome that you got the addition done. Oh so yeah, the oh, horses have luxury accommodation. Yeah, yeah. So we have a covered area where we can groom. The horses have more, um, more uh, covered area, and we're not done yet because now that we got the shingles on, then we can get the electric in. Because yeah. otherwise, the rain was when we had rain, which we haven't had, you know, now for months. But when when it used to rain, um, the rain would come down through the the things. And the good news is, is today at two o'clock we're getting gutters put on, so that'll be exciting. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, water management—it's a big deal it's, because in your yeah. part of Tennessee, it's it's feast or famine when it comes to oh, it hydration. Is. Yeah, yeah. Right now we're in famine, but you know it'll it'll happen. It'll and, and I, but I keep thinking, you know, like Jamie and other people in Oklahoma. I mean, they have a lot worse than we do. Yeah, you know, it's it's been hotter and drier there, I think, than than we have. So yeah, yeah we finally made it back into rainy season. We had rather. Here in Ocala, Florida, we had rather a dry spring by Ocala ah. standards. So it was lovely as far as weather from a human's point of view, because you could be outdoors doing things. It wasn't too awfully hot. Uh, you weren't getting rained on every afternoon. So that part was lovely. It made for great bicycle riding and riding right. horses and right. hiking and things like that. But we didn't get much grass because it was so dry. Oh. Uh, yeah, because it yeah. doesn't, the grass here, 
thrives on regular torrential downpours yeah. because that's our typical weather pattern. So yeah. now that we're back into typical weather pattern, not so much for fun for, for riding, driving, hiking, <laughs> things like that, because it's just sweltering and rain like crazy. It's very tropical. But yeah. on the flip side, it's the grass is growing like gangbusters. So Nigel and Scooter are both doing their happy dance because their paddocks have little niblets of grass to chew on Ooh, all afternoons. So they're fun. Nice. Score for the ponies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Nigel looks awesome. There's no ribs showing. He's a thoroughbred, so that's typical yes. for him. So he's he's a happy camper. He's rather roly-poly. And Scooter is starting to look like a tick. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he has that tendency anyway. Well, yeah, being a little pony, he's 12 hands high. He's very yeah. prone to the rotund yes. uh, body type. Yeah. Yes. You know. But, but you think of a hackney pony as, as something that's narrower and a little bit more streamlined. Well, he is very narrow. If you can, yeah. I cannot put my fist between his front legs on his chest. And then, and then when he gets fat, he does look like a tick. Looks like he swallowed a field of watermelons. He does. And he's very, <laughs> he's very roly-poly. So we're trying to tr- switch him over from orchard hay to Timothy hay, which is a little bit lower in everything. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, I've gotten a text back from Tracy at the barn saying that he is not happy about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so sad. So sad. So sad. First world pony problem right yes. there. Yes. I'm not getting the flavor of hay I want. <laughs> so, so that would be a good post show. Just let's get inside our horses' heads. Yeah, and, they're yeah for yeah. yeah pet peeves for ponies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not giving the flavor of hay I want. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah. I'd like to uh, stop at this point in our show and say thank you to Stateline Tech, who is our title sponsor on Wednesdays. And uh, we couldn't do the show without them. We have to have our title sponsors because they keep the things going here at Horses in the Morning. So we're going to see over to go head on over to the homepage at Stateline TAC and see what's going on over there. That's the easiest way to talk about Stateline TAC. Just yes. go to the homepage and see what the heck's going on. And let's see, what's the heck's going on? They've got uh, the best and insa- hottest deals for the summer. At State Line Tech. Let's click on that link and see what happens. <gasps> Summer Warehouse Clearance Sales. Event. Love that. That looks interesting. Yes. Filter by, uh, let's see here, price. What's going to be the cheapest thing? Zero to $25. Look at that. Um, we've had 264 deals. You can get a halter, a nylon breakaway halter. Yeah. For seven bucks, and look, look at this this basic all purpose saddle pad for nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Less than ten dollars, it's like yeah. it's free, and that looks like a really nice pad too. Well, you see, here's the thing: you have to have twelve of them, especially in the summer. Yeah, well, yes, because they're always wet. Because they're always wet. Every time you use it, the horse sweats like gangbusters, and yes. the horse is filthy underneath of that saddle pad, so it's gross. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, they've yes. got some. They've got some good prices on some fly masks in there. They That's do. I was idea. just looking at that one that that uh, it's got the nose piece on it over there on the right. That looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, um, fourteen dollars and forty four cents. Yeah, a yeah. wide variety of rope halters. I love yeah. my rope halter. Do I just you? have I just have the El Cheapo one. Yeah, uh, because they get they die of dry rot because it hangs on the fence oh. next to his field. So yeah. I get the El Cheapo one. Nigel does so much better with a, a rope halter versus a halter with a flat nose band because he's a little bit of a, a man pig. Oh, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 
this time of year he va- he spends a lot of time of his va- all of his time vo- vacationing. Can't work yes. him hard in the heat. Yes. Uh, so um, we do a lot of groundwork, and he's a little bit obnoxious. He doesn't get to play with his friends. He doesn't get to work hard. So that comes out a little bit this time of year. So I love having one of those around. So I buy a half a dozen or so of the cheap ones at a time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then when they just get dry rotted and they get that crinkly rotten yeah, rope feel, yeah. just chuck them. Just chuck them. Yeah, because you don't have a lot invested. Don't have a lot invested in there. So yeah. Head yeah, over they- to Stateline Tack and check out the wide variety of both uh, nylon breakaway, common thing. And they also have a whole bunch of El Cheapo rope ones available. Yeah, so they do. StatelineTack.com. Go there. And now it's time for our first guest, Jill Stanford. Jill Charlotte Stanford, to be exact, author of Cowgirl in the Kitchen and many other cookbooks and more. Good morning. Good morning, Jill. How are you? I'm fine. How are you this morning? I'm doing just fabulous. I'm here with my co-host for the day, Jill, Lisa Waisaki. Hi, Jill. Hi, Lisa. How are Hi. you? I'm good. I'm good. So are I we think, all under a heat dome? Oh, <laughs> we are. Yes. Oh, yeah. darn. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Jill, where are you? I'm in Sisters, Oregon, and it's oh, 100 okay. degrees here already. I wow! used to. Oh, that's crazy. I used to train in um, Western Washington State, and I, I would go through Sisters often on my way to horse shows. So I know exactly right. where you are. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, t- me too. I used to haul down to. I lived in um, Western. Oregon uh-huh. first, and I used to haul down to Sun River oh, to yeah. train my young horses in the in the uh, woods. Yeah, you know, and over the bridges, over the river, into the river stuff. Like, oh my goodness! I don't know why I'm not dead. But <laughs> <laughs> I used to haul through Sisters too when it was just a little one yeah. one street place. That's not anymore. Really, it's a huge tourist attraction. We've got everything here now. It's really very fancy. <laughs> wow. It was the one lane. It was like back in the late 70s, early 80s when I was Me there. Me too. We must yeah, have wow. been we, hauling we, at the same time. You we drove past were. each other. We did. <laughs> That's funny. And didn't even know it. Well, as usual, Jill is here to tell us about some amazing recipe. And we're going to start out with what is the backstory? Because all of your recipes have amazing backstories. That's right. They do. And you want to know about the whiskey and pineapple barbecue. Oh, sauce, yeah. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I went to Hawaii about... 10, I think it was 10 years ago, and we stayed at a beautiful Marriott on the island of Oahu. It was absolutely gorgeous. And they had a barbecue for the guests at night with hula dancing and, you know, the whole, the whole thing. It was a very touristy thing, but I loved every minute of it because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Central Oregon. <laughs> right, right, right. I'd do anything, even eat the pig. So. <laughs> They had this barbecue sauce that the minute I tasted the chicken wing, I thought, this is the best barbecue sauce I have ever had in my entire life. This is absolutely wonderful. So I asked the person who was doing the serving if I could get the recipe, and he said, well, you can't get it from me. You'd have to get it from the chef. So I tracked that guy down the next day and told him who I was and that I wrote books and that someday I would like to include that recipe. And he said, well, it's really very simple. I don't see why you're so interested in it. And I said, because you're combining howdy, where I come from, with cowgirls, and aloha, where you come from. (laughs) (laughs) And he liked that. He liked it. I said, okay, write, write this down. So I did. It's very simple to make. And our 
I've actually looked it up. It's not, this is not something that I dreamed up, but what we did was put our cowgirl spin on it by using Pendleton whiskey. So I was going to ask about that. Why, why the Pendleton whiskey? I like Pendleton very much, not just because I live in the state where it's made, but because it's a very smooth, almost sweet. And that there are probably bourbon and whiskey aficionados up there that are thinking, oh, what did she just say, sweet? But what I mean is there is a smoothness to it, almost mm. a sweetness to it. Um, it's my favorite, favorite beverage over rocks. Absolutely. Just it's wonderful stuff. And so we used it. We were we started out using, you know, 10 years ago, we started out using, you know, any kind of any kind of whiskey or bourbon. And it was sharp, it was good, but then all of a sudden I thought, why don't we do let's do Pendleton. It made all the difference as far as I'm wow. concerned. Well, because I- it's very smooth. Yeah, one reason I liked this recipe is is because it seemed really simple. And you mentioned that I really don't cook. And I looked at this, I thought, you know, I could do this. It's it's like just one pot. That's right. One pot, and I could stand there in front of the pot and watch it, so I didn't burn the house down. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so it looked really easy. And and I know that you have ketchup in there too, but but. Does it make a difference what kind of ketchup that you're using? What brand? Does do you have a preference? We tried. We tried everything, and we found that Hunt's regular ketchup really worked the best. Huh? You know, just regular off the shelf. We tried organic. They were very good, but it's also very expensive. Yeah. You know, and everybody's watching their pennies these days. Sure. Oh yes. And I figure if you boil it, you know, it makes it organic, don't you think? <laughs> Well, <laughs> oh my God! I know that. Maybe. Yeah, there's people are gonna they're gonna make it organic me down for saying that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know what else I liked about this is is you can put it in your refrigerator and it'll keep for you said like up That's to right. a week, so you it don't will. have to use it all right away. And you can enjoy it like for a long That's period right. of time. That's right. And yeah. it's awfully good, and this is sure the season for it. Although I don't know when it's 110 degrees if you're going oh. to fire up the barbecue. Yeah, when it probably cools not today. Down a little bit might be better. Mm-hmm. So, so what can, what all can you use this on? I mean, obviously certain you know steaks and things, but can you use this on on like grilled veggies or what? What would you suggest? Yes, we we did that. I didn't put that in the book, but it anything you're going to grill is going to be better with this barbecue sauce. <laughs> the pineapple, the pineapple makes all the difference, and I think that having the crushed pineapple in it makes it terribly good on, for instance, corn on the cob. Oh wow! Had not thought it of that. It a certain sweetness. Yeah. Any kind of grilled veggies that you're doing, if you're doing kebabs. You could probably brush a little of this on top. I mean, just go to town with it. Enjoy it. That's that's what we've liked about it. And Robin and I don't use anything else but this recipe now when we grill. Wow. That's that's a big endorsement right there. <laughs> that that's your that's your go to. Well, we walk the talk and we cook the cook. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. So how long does it take you to make this? Well, first you have to find all the ingredients. You have to look at the list and think, do I have brown sugar? Almost everybody has brown sugar, but if it's like mine, it's turned into a solid lump. Yes, that would be mine. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So then I have to look up, I have to go to the Google and look up how do you soften brown sugar. (laughs) And then you remember, well, that's simple. You just wet a paper towel and put it on top and put it in the microwave. microwave. Mm -hmm. So once you've got the soft 
brown sugar and you've got the ketchup, everybody has ketchup in their icebox. Everybody. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I would Water think so. is good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully yeah. you've got Pendleton, but if not, you've got bourbon or whiskey. That'll both work. The Blackstrap Molasses, I think I've had that bottle. It's Brer Rabbit. I remember it's the Brer Rabbit brand. Um, I bet I've had that for two years in my pantry. It never goes bad. Nothing ever happens to Blackstrap Molasses. I never knew that, but I, you know, I think I've had a bottle forever as well. I'm just trying to think, yeah. And I wonder why I got it in the first place. There must have been a reason. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> got iron in it. I know it's good for you. So everybody uh, has the black strap, strap molasses because at some point in our history, we had to disguise medication for a horse. Oh, that, there you go. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Yep. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's it. Either that or applesauce. Um. <laughs> oh, no, I think I want that recipe. I've never put blackstrap molasses and applesauce. Oh, and I'm going to try that. That sounds awfully good. Yeah. yeah. But then we've all got salt, pepper, garlic powder, and onion powder. So that makes it pretty simple. So once you've gathered everything up, which, I, what do you think, 10 minutes, and you're all set, and you've got the pot, and you just put it all in the pot. Drain the pineapple. Drain so, the pineapple. So does it matter the brand? Like, do you use Dole, or do you use a specific I brand? Just, I just use Dole. I mean, that comes from Hawaii. They know about you know, they know about pineapple, but any crushed pineapple will do. We went to Costco and got their brand, and it we couldn't tell the difference. It's probably Dole. Probably. I think they, mm-hmm. they just have, like, one probably giant pineapple processing plant in the entire world, and they just put different <laughs> labels on it. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. So then you, you know, stir it all together, bring it to a boil. That, then this is the long part, to reduce the heat and simmer it for, oh, takes about 30 to 40 minutes until it gets really thick and it's reduced by, by about half. I would recommend stirring it a couple of times, even though that reduces the heat a little bit. If you stir it a couple of times, that keeps everything going all together. You know, it's not going not gonna to separate. Yeah, that makes but sense. Once, once, it's the, once it's the consistency that looks like you're ready to brush it on, whatever you want, you're done. That's it. Let it cool and pour it into a container keep it for about a week and so um uh, looking at the recipe here it makes about one cup so if if you were really going to town and wanted more than that you just double, double the recipe yeah double it up and it'll take a no it takes about yeah no actually this will make almost three cups okay okay i might have done a typo when i read it to you it makes about three cups actually but it will all depend on on how much you reduce it down some people don't like too thick and other people, my sister, for instance, and I do, and other people like it a little thinner. It depends on what you're brushing it on. That's what I was going to say. If you're going to let something marinate in it, you could marinate a steak in this. Actually, pork chops are wonderful with this. Really, really good. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I'm liking this a lot. Now, I'm looking at this recipe and I'm thinking about, because different points of view, right? Lisa's not much of a chef. She doesn't cook much. No. I cook for one reason. Horses come first. Horses come first. Why do you cook? I only cook so that I can eat food. And That's if it. I have to use That's more, why we all cook. if I have to use more than one cooking vessel, that's too many. See, I'm I'm right there too. So yeah. I looked at this and I thought about what was consumed in my little world over the weekend because Glenn had to that's go right. away to a conference. So I was a right. bachelorette. 
Yes. And I looked at this and I thought, okay, it was made ahead of time probably by Glenn. So it's in the refrigerator. Uh-huh. And I'm Perfect. going to sit down and eat dinner. And another one of my – and the, I have a pet pet peeve of revolving around this. And you're going to find about about that in the post show. I'm not going to reveal the – there. <laughs> I have leftover chicken strips from the local fast food restaurant. I okay. love chicken strips. I love chicken strips. And I love them especially okay. when they come from a fast food restaurant because then I don't have to put them in the oven and cook them. There you and go. I also have um, rice. Boy, you girls are speaking my language yes. for sure. This is, this I have rice that comes in eating for sure. Yeah, I have rice that comes in the little bag that you 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 open the top mm-hmm. a half an inch and you put it in the microwave for ninety seconds yeah. and you've got rice. I've got that. Yeah. So I'm going to take my rice and I'm going to take some of my leftover chicken strips and chop them into little bits, and then I'm going to put about a quarter cup of this stuff into it and mix it up and it's going to be amazing. Oh, it sounds you're gonna love great. It. You're going to oh, you're going to eat great. that. You're going to gobble that right up and you'll probably do it the next week as well. Yes, and I'm and I'm going to make it extra healthy by adding a half a cup of frozen corn in there cuz that way there's a vegetable and I feel better about myself. <laughs> so so I corn is yeah, fruit, like fruits and vegetables. vegetables. Uh-huh. Yep. It's a pseudo vegetable. Yeah. That's a really good idea. <laughs> That's but it's a really sounds good really idea. good. Yeah, so that's that's I the so that's too. the coach Jen version of uh, barbecued <laughs> chicken with Jill Sanford's mm-hmm. cowgirl in the kitchen pineapple barbecue <laughs> I <love> sauce. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. There so, are a so lot that, of people that do not understand my books at all. They just say, "Well, this is all too simple." And I said, "That's right. There's no bar- bouquet garni anywhere. Nope. I'm not asking you." F- all the things that in your that are usually in your pantry are going to be used in our recipes. That's what's important because you don't have time. If you're a ranch wife, training horses, showing horses, or just being, you know, just working at any kind of a job, but you've always wanted to be a cowgirl, this is the easiest way to cook. And it's nutritious, it's good, and, and who cares? Yeah. <laughs> And it being right. it's simple and homemade and delicious versus and super super easy to make versus almost as easy as buying it at the store. But because that's it's been right. freshly made, it's not going to have the preservatives and stuff that something at the store is going to be. That's absolutely yeah. right. It's and really then great if idea. somebody tasted, if you actually invite a guest, you know, horrors, you're having a guest. Do you have enough napkins? Things like that. <laughs> but uh, if they say this is really good, you say this came out of. Uh, cowgirls cook in the great outdoors and do you have that book or you know the cowgirls cook or you know Mm -hmm. any of the cookbooks the cowgirls cookbook they're really surprised they're really surprised because it makes you look as though you're a great cook but it's really (laughs) very simple but you are a great cook and i think cooking should be fun and simple you know so so the rest of us can can figure it out so so where could where can i find like some of these books because i want to get some you can go to amazon They've got all my books, but what's really easiest is to go to my website, which is www. Then one word, jillcharlotte.com. That will take you to my website, and every single book I've ever written is on that website. And you just click on the cover. That's all you have to do, or memorize what you see. There are three cookbooks, um, four cookbooks. Uh, yeah, there's four. Gosh, time goes by. Uh, the cow- the Cowgirls Cookbook was my first one. Keep Cooking Cowgirl was my second book. Um, the cow- Cowgirls Cook was the second one and third one. And then this one, The Cowgirls Cook in the Great Outdoors, is the fourth one. And I'm 
hoping that they don't ask for another one, another cookbook, (laughs) because I'd still like to get back to writing about what I like to write about the very most, and those are the bravest women I know, and those are cowgirls. Those are cowgirls, the old-time cowgirls and the the real-time cowgirls, and I've got half that book written, so I just hope I Awesome. Awesome. It's called Dangerous. It's called Daredevil Dames and Fearless Females. Oh, I can't oh, wait. We're going to have a release party. Yeah, that'll be fun. I, I'm looking forward. And there isn't a single recipe in it. <laughs> somebody comes up with something. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks a lot well, for stopping by again, Jill. We'll see you again next month. You're so welcome. Just let me know when, and I'll, I'll be saddled and ready. Okay? <laughs> okay. Sounds great. Have a Bye. great day, and stay cool. Bye. Bye, Jill. And once again, Lisa Wysocki helping me out here on the show. I love it. I love co-hosting with Lisa Wysocki because you're Thank you're you so much. You're really good at carrying most of the weight. I appreciate. Okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, but you've got all the other stuff you got to do. You know, you've got all the the time codes and all of that. So. I do feel I do feel more comfortable with buttons and knobs. I do. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, being an author, any any book topic or writing topic is always something we like to go to you with. And Glenn asked you the other day when we booked you to help out today, if you had read any cool, interesting books. So have you? I have actually. And so what's really interesting as, as a writer, I find I can't read a lot of authors or a lot of really books that I, that are on my, my read list and are, you know, sitting right by my bedstand when I'm writing. Cause then I start writing like the author I'm reading, yes. but yes. but one of my favorite author of all time is Dick Francis. And um, if if you're not familiar with Dick, he was he's a former steeplechase jockey who used to ride for the Queen Mother. He was British. He passed away a few years ago, and now his son Felix has taken over the brand. And um, Dick actually wrote a whole series of books with his wife, Mary. And, you know, he started writing in the early 1960s. And back then it wasn't considered cool for a woman to be writing mystery books. So Mary's name was never on any of the books, which I think is really sad. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So, um, so anyway, I just finished reading one of his books. It's called Straight. And I chose it because um, in the auditor room and on some of the other um, Facebook pages I'm on, there's been kind of a resurgence of of people looking for books they read a long time ago or some of the like the Marguerite Henry books or some of the old children's books. And it seems like people are kind of wanting to get back to something that's a little bit um, simpler. Mm-hmm. And um, Straight is one of my favorite Dick Francis books because uh, it's about a steeplechase jockey who uh, had an accident and he shattered an ankle uh, in a race and he can't ride. And during all of this time, his estranged brother, Greville, dies. Uh And so they haven't spoken in decades. And all of a sudden, um, the main character is now the executor of the will. And so he inherits all of Greville's wealth. He and inherits his house. He inherits his mistress. Ooh. Um, yeah. That's racy. <laughs> and it, exactly. And, and in the 1960s version. And and he inherits his brother's um, 
uh, business. So it's, and, and then he kind of figures out, well, Greville really wasn't who he thought he was. He had a lot of secrets and his death maybe wasn't an accident. And so, you know, it's, it's a typical mystery type thing. And it's got the horse flavor because it's, you know, the, the main character is a steeplechase jockey who's trying desperately to you know, heal his shattered ankle so he can get back and, and race and, and, um, but it's, it's, it's very fast paced. There's a lot going on. And, um, I, I just love the way Dick Francis writes. It's a very clean, um, clean way of writing. There's nothing extra, but it doesn't seem really short and choppy either. So, um, if anybody has not read straight by Dick Francis or any of Dick Francis books, they're highly, highly recommended. Um, I'm sure every one of them is on Amazon. Uh, probably your local libraries still have some of them, you know, they're just, just amazing books. I thought I had read all of Dick Francis's books, but I don't I don't recall this one. So I'm going over there right now and it's available on Kindle because I read books on my yep. phone nowadays. Yep, it is. And it's also available nope, not available on audiobook, but it's on hardcover paperback, mass and market Kindle. paperback. You can even buy them used cuz I mean, they sell millions oh, yeah. of them. So you exactly. can just, you, you can just get them anywhere anytime and I agree with you. Dick Francis novels are fun they're fast paced they're they've got just enough horse in them to make them fun for horsey people but not so much that the non-horse folks won't like them and one of the things i really really appreciate it the horse things i'm gonna say things for like because i'm i don't have a good vocabulary the horse things are in it (laughs) are real yes and accurate yes they've not been fluffed or anthropomorphized for the mass audience. No, 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 no. It's it's real and it's accurate. And what I also like is because he wrote, you know, the majority of his books from, you know, early 1960s until the later 1980s, you're kind of getting a period of time that we don't have anymore. And it's very fascinating to me to go back and 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 read this mystery when, in, during a time when the character doesn't have a cell phone and computers oh, are yeah. new. And, you know, um, so I think it's it's um, it's really interesting to me to to read about that time frame and and you know uh, the car doesn't talk to you and and <laughs> you know <laughs> he has to go check his answering machine you know mm-hmm. um so i i think it's it's interesting to to read about that kind of time frame and realize it wasn't all that long ago well that we yeah there. now that you say that there's the genre of the historical novel yeah because they were written long enough ago they're not historical novels but they're going to be in another generation. Oh, absolutely. How absolutely. interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, okay, you know, for those of us who are a little older, we might remember some of the 60s and the 70s, you know, mm-hmm. but but maybe not from an adult perspective. And I think it's it's really interesting to see how people lived. Uh, and then there's, there's always, you know, the British fascination because most of his books are set in in Britain, but some are set in the Bahamas and some here in the United States. But, you know, I mean, uh, everything to do with horses in Britain to me is just cool. I mean, it's just fascinating. <laughs> Can't you know, Can't yeah, yeah, it's just cool. And so just to spend, you know, an afternoon or a couple hours reading about it and just enjoying it to me is just, you know, just, I'd rather do that than just about anything. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify 
horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. Woohoo! And today's horse health, horse health segment is brought to you once again by Daily Dose Equine Feeds. Daily Dose Equine has eight different handcrafted formulas for all horses of all ages and work levels. Go to DailyDoseEquine.com and find the formula that's perfect for your pony or horse. And I'm happy to welcome Steve Krause to the show. He does regular updates here on the Horses in the Morning show, Daily Dose Equine Health segment. And today, we're going to chat a little bit about something called a retracted sole. I have no idea what it is, and Steve's going to explain that to us. But the first thing we're going to do, Steve is up in New York State, if I remember right. Is that right, Steve? Correct, correct. Central New York. Central New York. And we're in July, dog days of summer. And you're the instructor at the University, uh, Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine Farrier program. That's a mouthful. Do you guys work out of doors or do you have an indoor air conditioned facility to work with for the classes? Well, no, we have a heat conditioned area. Oh. Um, it's very nice during the, it's very nice during the winter, but uh, because we don't have any air conditioning in this building, we will, it's a great weight loss program. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh man. Do you guys um, just have those giant and- fans everywhere? We have big fans. That's all we have. But the building does heat up, you know, in this type of sun. And uh, we do some work outside at some of the external uh, Cornell facilities where we have research horses and and the polo horses and so on. So we do get out just to do them. But we're in this shop all day and um, it gets pretty hot in there during the summer. But it's beautiful during the winter. There you go. Now, I know the summertime classes all filled up but you guys do several classes each year at cornell can anybody sign up for them or do you have to be a veterinary student no um the the the, the farrier school courses are 16 week three 16 week programs a year um and they are intended to produce more professional farriers however in this fall's course we actually have two veterinarians who want to be more skilled in doing podiatry work and so on. Veterinarians from outside of our students, but we also offer clinical rotations for the senior veterinary students, and that's quite popular with them also. So we do a variety of different types of uh, students here, but the main 16 weeks, you know, intends for people to shoe horses for a living or veterinarians who want to get, you know, able to be everything in one package to take care of foot problems. Well, that is interesting. In the, in the veterinary, veterinary community, you are see more, seeing more vets come out of school intending to specialize with that sort of thing. Where, For example, a veterinarian who, yes, they're a veterinarian, but they want to focus specifically on issues that associate with the hoof. So what's, what's the best way for somebody who's curious about the courses available through Cornell University to find out about them and or sign up? Well, the best thing to do is go on the uh, website of Cornell University Veterinary College and search Farrier Program. We also have a Facebook page, Cornell Farrier Program. You can send me a message to contact me directly. Um, so there's all kinds of ways to contact us and see about us and um, you know, and uh, even arrange a visit if you, you know, want to see what this place does. There you go. So now that we've got that taken care of, because I thought sure 
folks who don't listen to the show regularly or are new to the show might not be familiar with what Steve does, and now you are. Now we're going to move on to the topic of the day, retracted soul. What the heck is that? Okay, so if you just look at the word retracted, it means to pull back. So um, retracted souls, what we usually see, and too bad we don't have a visual, but um, it's like the soul is pulled up against the coffin bone. That's the basic definition. And so what happens there is it's usually the soul is thinner. So horses with thinner soles and hoof walls are more susceptible to this. And that coffin bone, rather than having a nice dense layer between the coffin bone and the ground, which should be at least five sixteenths, three eighths, and even up to a, a good half an inch on, on bigger footed horses should be proportionate to the horse size. Um, now the retracted sole is thinner and is like molding against the bottom of the coffin bone. So that's why you see this characteristic little bump, uh, which is the coffin bone actually pushing a little bit on the sole. Um, not like in an, a laminitis situation, but it's definitely not a good thing. So, um, and, and we see it mostly in extremely wet weather. Extremely wet weather. Uh, because so, what happens in. Ex- go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, in extremely wet weather, there's a lot of excess uh, exfoliation of the soul, where in very dry weather, consistently dry weather, the, the soul doesn't get exfoliate unless a barrier or trimmer does it and then um, so you have more protection that that's kind of locked into the bottom of the foot whereas the wet weather loosens things up and now all that extra protective sole is gone and now you have a thinning of the the sole that's basically what's happening so a retracted sole can be seen visually Externally, you can look at the sole of the foot and you can see symptoms. Now, what looks like a retracted sole, when one looks at it, can be can that pathology, what you see, can that be caused by something that's not retracted sole? You can say, oh, that could be a retracted sole, or what I'm seeing could be something else, or is it you look at this and that's what it is? I, I look externally, you can see it. You know, again, you have this like you almost see the, the it's like the tip of the coffin bone is not trying to protrude but the sole is molded around it and so you definitely see um this characteristic little bump right in the front part of the foot and and sometimes even the wall is even pushed up a little bit so the horse is not really standing on his wall very well either and then is there a requisite um something that you're going to see if you were to take an x-ray of the foot, would you see a difference on the x-ray as well? Yeah. Yeah. You would see a thin sole. You can see that the sole thickness is um, on a radiograph pretty clearly. So you would see an excessively thin sole and you would see it kind of molded around the bottom of the coffin bone. So is this opposed to being like more a cushion cushion. So is a retracted sole something that comes and goes with a horse? Some horses are more susceptible um, because uh, they're usually thinner soled, thinner walled, you know, more thoroughbred type. Weak-footed horses are more susceptible. And horses that live in constant um, moisture, you know, heavy moisture, you know, like last summer up here, 
it rained on and on and on. It didn't stop raining. It's just the opposite this summer. We're in a mild drought now. So last summer, we not only saw more retracted soles, but we saw the problems associated with them that are like uh, coffin bone damage, fragments, uh, penetrations, um, uh, just generally sore-footed horses, abscesses. Uh, we did a lot of coffin bone surgeries here last summer, taking out bone fragments and, and dealing with infected coffin bones because it was so wet. Um, we haven't seen any of that this summer. So just amazing. And so it, it, the weather really dictates a lot of this stuff, especially when it's like extremes like we're having now. Last summer, we didn't play hardly any outdoor polo. This summer, we're playing outdoor polo every week. So it's sort of like the same thing. You know, we, we can stay, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the feet uh, mimic the weather. Mm-hmm. So is a retracted sole always related to wet weather or can other things cause this? I, I think it's more prevalent in horses that uh, exfoliate their sole a lot in the conditions, the wet conditions that they live in. I think that's where you see it most of the time. So a horse, and, that, um, go ahead. Uh, if, if, if maybe it's possible that if somebody over trims the sole and gets it too thin, that might cause uh, a, a retracted sole also. So essentially, because I, I think of a retracted sole as a horse's sole literally sucking up into their foot. <laughs> right, right. And that's not really what it is. Yeah, really, it's it is, it's, it's just a thinning of the, of the sole. Well, but it's lost its, its, its real good arch and support. Well, that's, it's kind of like, yes, it has sucked up into the foot. And so you, you, you have... You still have an uh, an arch to some degree, but it's all thinned out. Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't have a nice dense, um, you know, the right below the the back half of the coffin bone is your digital cushion. That's still there. All that's still there. It's the sole material that varies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just finding this fascinating, Steve. And um, I have I have a question. So if the if the horse's environment is too wet, um, can this be reversed or remedied? It, let's say you put the horse in a dry lot paddock and the, the surface was dry. Does that help stop this or reverse this? That would be helpful. That's a start. You, there's a few good sole hardening agents on the market like Durasol, uh, one of very good one. Uh, the old timers use what they call Venice turpentine. All those things, some people even use like iodine. To, to kind of toughen the sole, but the horse needs to be out of that wet environment to have any, you know, uh, positive long-term effects. And then there's shoeing options. And what are those? Um, one of the great things that, that, that's very helpful, especially if the horse is sore or lame, to put the horse back in service, um, using what we call a pour-in style pad, Vettech is one of the companies that make uh, these different pour-in pads, and they make a couple of different firmnesses. I would want the the least firm material uh, pumped in, which is usually the, what they call the extra soft, which is pink, um, uh, to, to either do a pour-in pad, which is like a little grid, and then you pour the, you squirt the stuff in and mold it to the bottom of the foot, or you could put it under a regular hoof pad. 
And depending upon what else is going on, something that maybe supports the frog also, like there's some frog cushion pads and so on. And anything that you can, you know, kind of relieve the structures uh, of, of the foot and spread out the, um, the weight bearing more is going to help these horses. And so you can get away with boots that have frog pad inserts to some degree, but boots tend to be a temporary solution to a permanent problem. Whereas shoeing, um, especially with a poor in style pad, really creates a lot of good healthy sole combined with the frog support and protection, you can get a horse through this in one shoeing cycle pretty well. Well, there we go. So it, it's, it's a, a maintenance thing come wet weather season, and, I'm, and uh, come fall we're going to have wet weather season once again, so keep that in mind. And if you Google Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, you will both find the website and the Facebook page. You guys have excellent SEO. And again, thanks for stopping by and educating us, Steve. Daily Dose Equine offers a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages. Each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-GMO ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination. They are horse people themselves and have seen firsthand the difference that superior nutrition can have in our equine partners. We invite you to learn more about Daily Dose Equine's origins and find a formula that's perfect for your equine partner at Daily Dose Equine. So much fun today, Girls Day Out. And thank you Absolutely. for thank you for carrying the load for me and helping my sweaty palms stay under control. <laughs> Happy to help anytime. Anytime. And for folks who want to get your books because you do fiction and nonfiction, have you come and speak at a conference? Find out about more about Colby's army, et cetera, et cetera. Where can they do all of those things? Oh, so books are all available on amazon.com. Just type, type in my name, Lisa Wysocki, and Wysocki ends in a Y um, instead of an I. And um, Or they can go to my website at lisawysocki.com. And, and, you know, you mentioned the conferences, and I am starting to get booked uh, a little bit later in 22 and 23. So I'm hoping that, you know, some of the COVID stuff is over and some of that will, you know, people start going back to doing things again. Cool. Well, yeah. It's a wrap-up for today, eh? Yeah. So if you want to find the links to today's guests uh, and the show notes, you can find them at horsesinthemorning.com. And you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Um, and you can follow the HRN brand on Twitter at Horse Radio. There and you, you can have, yeah. And you Sorry. can have all the shows with you wherever you go. We have our very own app. That's right. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It works for iPhone and Android. And thank you very much to today's sponsors, Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds, available nationwide through Chewy. Or if you're on the eastern seaboard, you can get it direct from Daily Dose Equine. And our title sponsor, Stateline Tech. And auditors, stay tuned for the post show. This is my first post show, Lisa. Really? Your first ever? My first ever. I'd, I don't usually do post shows when I record because by the time I'm finished recording the regular show, because I stress out about this so much, I'm all in. I'm Sweat's dripping down. It's bad. So I just want to turn the computer off. But you're here. 
And you're helping so you me are, out. You're, you're, you are my emotional support co-host. Yes, because you are a post-show virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm still, that's just mind-blowing to me, but there you go. Yeah, and, and today's post-show topic was inspired by a post that you put, I think it was on your personal page, wasn't it? It was, yeah, my personal Facebook page, yeah, about pet peeves. And you posted, so, uh, you po- well, what was your pet peeve? We'll start there. So, so I had a pet peeve about people who eat ice cream with a fork. It drives me nuts. I mean, who does that? Who eats ice cream with a fork? And if that's you out there, I'm sorry, but I have a problem with that. Where did so, you witness? I've never seen somebody eat so ice cream with So I dated a fork. this guy uh, a long time ago who ate ice cream with a fork, and I tried to dump him over it. See, this is why I'm not married, because I can't stand people who eat ice cream with a fork. And so he he relented, and then he started eating ice cream with a spoon. But before the spoon got to his mouth, he turned the spoon upside down and then put it into his mouth. And that like just drove me even more nuts. So he had to go. I'm I'm um, making notes right now. Never to eat ice cream in front of you. <laughs> the ice cream comment got a lot of response, though. It did. It did. I had like 80 people comment about their own pet peeves and and uh, you know different different things that bothered the crap out of them. You know what I and found interesting just... is so many people have pet peeves about ice cream. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I don't know why that is. Maybe because ice cream is like special. Yeah. I love the one, yeah. one of the comments was one of their pet peeve was not having ice cream to eat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a huge pet peeve. Yes. Everybody needs ice cream. Yeah. Yes. We, we, have to, we have to buy ice cream in very, very small containers now because I have zero willpower when it comes to ice cream. Once so the container is opened, it must all be consumed at one yeah, time. Yeah. I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And my pet peeve, <laughs> I put this on your post, which is what inspired me to put it in the post show. I was shopping for some barn appropriate clothing, some t-shirts or some sun shirts and things like right. that. Right. And I try to get stuff that's made for barns and construction workers and things like that because the materials are a little more durable. The ones mm-hmm. they make specifically for riders, the material is awesome and great for protecting you from the sun and keeping you cool, but not so great for hay and brush no. and, you know, that kind of thing. Not no. very durable. We had a conversation about this at the barn the other day. Yeah, it's yeah. which is great, but I tend to tear it up. And I could not find anything that was was outside of the gray, black, and purple color palette. And it was women's clothing. What's with the purple, people? Do they not make green anything anymore? No. And and so, I, in, in open disclosure here, my favorite color is purple. Uh, but I often, I usually wear green. And somebody posted that, you know, when women age and they let their hair go a more natural color, that the purple looks good with the, the gray. Yeah. So, so that I thought was a legitimate, you know, thing, but I agree with you, you know, sometimes you would like a little bit of a larger Something scale that's not of option. Purple. Yes. Yeah. When you look yes. at the riding breeches section and yes. some of the manufacturers have gotten a little bit braver about colors. It's more than just tan, black, white. Yeah. Now, invariably <laughs> they have navy, yay, and some shade of aubergine. Yes. Hunter yes. Green, that would be nice. Yes, it would be. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. So retrograde would pet, be pet peeve of mine. And we wouldn't be horse people if we didn't have horse person pet peeves. Oh, so goodness, you start. No. Oh, so so one of my pet peeves is people who leave like the gates or the doors open. <laughs> I mean, you can't like turn around and close a gate and you can't like latch a door. I, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and not even in the barn, because I mean, that's that's a safety issue if the horse gets out. Yeah. But just in general, I mean, if the door is closed when you go through it, close it back. Yeah, I'm a big one for closed gates and op- and doors. Yes. Yeah. If it, yeah. yeah, it needs to be latched open or closed. One of the two, not just right. swinging in the breeze. No, no, no. Yes. No, can't do that. Yes. I'm totally there. Yeah. Totally there. Yeah. One of yeah. mine, which is genuinely a pet peeve because, you know, we're, we are, we are amping up the sarcasm here. <laughs> I goobers. Oh, no, they can't happen ever. No eye goobers, not even the teeny weeny ones. You know how they get a little piece of dust and then a little piece of dust gets a goober and then it sticks to their eyelash? Yes. Must go. Must go now. So so do you drive over to see Nigel like five times a day to check his eye goobers? Twice. Twice. (laughs) (laughs) And little little Scooter, the hackney pony, he's the eye goober king in that Nigel will just get one giant gooey goober. In his eyeball, yeah. and you just and and it gets right in the corner, and it's the really squishy, snotty kind. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then yeah. you try to get it out, and they squint their eyeball shut, and then you have to pry yeah. it open to get it out of there. Scooters stick to that big long eyelash that's at the bottom. Oh wow! Which is really tickly when you try to take it off. Yes. So I risk my life trying to get them out of there, but he's going, <laughs> ah, get away from my eyeball. <laughs> yeah, but don't you want to go up to like somebody else's horse and just like go through the herd? And, and get rid of all of them. I will. I will remove go- goobers, and I don't care if the owners are watching. <laughs> yeah, I will do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, so another one is um, supplement container lids or just lids in general. So I'm like, if it fits, put it on there. It does not have to be color coordinated. <laughs> it does not. It does not. If it fits. Put it on there. And this is like, like we get a lot of uh, tubs donated at Colby's Army. And we have a lot of people who are like, oh, well, the tub is gray and, and I don't see a gray lid. Well, there's a clear lid. It fits. Just put it on. It's okay. We <laughs> they probably, they probably have that fancy schmancy expensive color coordinated Tupperware too. They probably do, which is, you know, kind of cool. But, you know, I don't care if it's a red container and a blue top. If it fits, put it on. Yeah. So which, which is more infuriating? The lid that you have to hit with a sledgehammer to get open and closed, or the (laughs) lid that has that you screw open and closed that is constantly getting um, threaded wrong. Which is worse? Oh no, no, no! The the one you have to use the sledgehammer for. So that drives me nuts. And so you're breaking fingernails, and you're breaking your fingers, and you're trying to pry the thing up. And then when you finally get the lid that's open, it comes off in a big jerk, and then the contents spill all over the feed room. Yep. Yeah. So um, listen up, supplement manufacturers, enough with the lids that you, it's a supplement. You're going to have to open it every day. You know that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they don't probably (laughs) because. They should know that. Daily amount, one tablespoon. Yeah, I actually kind of like the ones that have the threads on them. If if they're big threads, big deep threads. Yeah. 
because those those will work and those help keep out the mice and the cats and all of that. But those little tiny threads that you can never get going, you know what I do? I just put the lid on it and I slam it down with the peel of my hand and <laughs> there you go. What it's in doubt, on. hit it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Take a hammer to it. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's that's really funny. Okay, final yeah. final horsey pet peeve. Yeah. How people put away halters, whether oh gee, the halter has to get hung up, and don't hang it up by the nose piece. That don't hang it up by the cheek big, piece. Yes, no, just no, just hang no, it. Up. Don't hang it up upside down. And bridles, bridles. I have, I go into the tack room and I see bridles hung up by the bits, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, okay, I could I can forgive a bridle done wrong. It doesn't make me twitch, but when I see halters that are just yeah. kind of heaped in pell-mell, it makes me twitchy. <laughs> I don't know that. And I had to relearn this because I grew up in a universe that did not have rope halters. All right. halters had the little rings on the sides, on the cheekbones right. there. And that's right. how you hung it up on its little hook. Uh-huh. Well, nowadays, lots of people have all kinds of different halters that don't have those little rings. So you have to figure right. out how to hang it up without those little rings. And the only, I'm sorry, the only acceptable way to do it is to reconnect the crown strap and hang it up by the crown like you would a bridle. Right. I can't right. do it any other way. I've tried lots and it just doesn't work. No, no, it has to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or here's my other thing is the, the little buckle on the, the nylon or the, the leather halters that go under the cheek. Yeah. You know, when those are buckled to the nose piece. <laughs> that drives me nuts. Like, no, that doesn't go there. No. It doesn't go there. It doesn't go doesn't there. It yeah. doesn't go there at all. Yeah. And I don't mind if somebody makes a mistake, you know, and, and then we correct it and then everybody's learned something and it's all good. But but when I see them hung up that way, I'm like, oh, no. please. <laughs> you, you'll be late for an appointment to fix that, won't you? I will. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. The, the next time I the next time I'm late for something, and the person I'm supposed to meet with says, "Why were you late?" I'm going to have to I'm going to have to admit it's because the halters were hung up wrong, and I had to fix it. Yes. Own your faults. <laughs> yes. Own up to it. You know. Correct it. Never ever let it happen again. There we go. Ever. <laughs> so much fun. Well, there you go, everybody. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. And cut. <laughs>